It's basketball time at the I think, honestly, we've got kind of a fat cat mentality. Um, you know, we went out and won eight games in a row. Everybody was giving us love and praising us. Um, and we got really comfortable. You know, we are the team that won those eight games, though, right? We are a really good basketball team. Um, this is about maturation and growth from, you know, a team as a whole. job episode five season two episode five jig and rich as my boy takes a swig of uh what was that jig it's lacroix are you familiar they sell it they sell it everywhere right i'll be killing some lacroix so yes. you, do you drink lacroix yeah i'm not so i got those little um those little dropper things like the little put flavor in your stuff and so i'll mm-hmm. get it i'll get a lacroix and yeah. put some ice in a cup Put my my whole Lacroix in there, and then I'll drop those little Milo driplets in there. And oh, stuff. so you add like taste to the Lacroix? I'd be killing it. So yeah. So the deal with Lacroix, I don't know. I'm curious if you've had a similar experience, but the first time I ever had Lacroix, I thought it was just absolute garbage, right? And I like made fun of it, like for... flavorless and disgusting, right? Because right, it's like a go like a ghost flavor. It's like if you took like. Uh, like a Coke or something, and then you like just like just suck the flavor out of it. Took all the fun out of it. But <laughs> it's like, do you remember Clearly Canadian? I do. Not. Did you have that New York Seltzer? I think it was called. The first thing that popped in my head as you're asking these questions was when I was like, yeah, thirteen, fourteen, and we used to sneak yes. it and get Zimas. Like, okay, yeah, Zimas. Know, we did too, right around the same age. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so so let's talk. Yeah, Zima. Okay, good enough. So so New York seltzer. Yeah, rather than me like pegging you with questions about different drinks that were like probably like regional to like my small town, <laughs> uh, go Brian, Ohio. By the way, Zima had that like kind of super sweet flavor. Yes. Take it down like a notch from there. Okay. And then like that was like New York seltzer and clearly Canadian, but they were like seltzer waters. Okay. Suck some of the flavor out of that, and that's like what I thought was of Lacroix. Yes. But then it got to like where I was sort of like, well, I need something to drink like while I'm working and I don't want sugar, but I don't want water. Love it. Love it. And I need carbonation. I need something in LaCroix. between. Yep. You need something in the middle, right? Yep, so I agree. that's that's kind of LaCroix. So my um between LaCroix and Perrier, I don't know how if you Perrier, yeah. If you put your pinky up when you drink it, you gotta say Perrier, right? 
And then there's another, there's a third one that's in the competition with those guys. And I can't remember the name of it right now. LaCroix, Perrier, and whatever. So my daughter. Oh, I know. My yeah. Da- yeah. My daughters are like super snooty when it comes to this stuff. And depending on what I have in the house, like they'll, I'll hear them on the phone with their mom, who's like 30 minutes away. And they'll be like yeah. talking mess about my pantry. They'll be like, dad doesn't have any Perrier. Oh, or- bro. Have you had Spindrift? I have no idea. <laughs> it's really good. I thought maybe that's what they were talking about. Spindrift is oh. amazing. Depending on what I have. And I feel like they just take, if it's Perrier, they're like, oh, you don't have any LaCroix? They're talking about San Pellegrino, guaranteed. Yes, yes, Pellegrino. That's it. Yeah. So now they've moved on to Pellegrino. Whichever one is the most expensive, they're like, we need that Pellegrino. In the Pellegrino. Yeah. yeah, Pellegrino. That's the green one. Kind of looks like a Mountain Dew or something like that. Correct. I think. Okay. Dude, you got to try Spindrift. So the deal with Spindrift is that if you want to try Spindrift, I know Walmart's got it. I don't know where else has it, but... So it's like uh, LaCroix if you put your drink packet in there, right. probably. Because it's like kind of juicy, but it's not it's too juicy. It's already got the flavor built in, so Spindrift. Yeah, it's okay. really good, but it's like real fruit, right? It's really good. I really dig it, and they have cool flavors too. Do you know who's giving us defense light right now? Like defense without the defense? Like it's Who's that? They're, they're giving us Spindrift with the defense, with the uh, flavor taken back out. Who? Our wine and gold good guys. I mean, man, these last three games. So since we last. Good transition, yeah. unlike the cast. Do you like how I'm killing it with the transition? Since we yeah. last talked, we had we were God. really optimistic headed to the Bay, right? God. We were, we were coming off that loss to uh, Clippers or whoever, Sacramento. Yeah, and it was like, whatever. <clears throat> we was like, whatever. You know, like, this is just an anomaly. So we're heading down to the Bay, and we get to the Bay. And it looked like the wine and go good guys had fixed what was going on to start off the yeah. game. Yeah. Somewhere in there, a switch got flipped and they, the Warriors, you know, they just started being super aggressive, which kind of frustrates me because I've watched them over the last couple games afterwards. I was like, okay, maybe they were waiting to flip a switch and we were just, we got them at a, at a bad time, right? Mm-hmm. No, the Warriors are right back to looking how they had been looking. You know, like they just lost last mm-hmm. night to Phoenix and they got dismantled. They look terrible. Mm-hmm. They're a team mm-hmm. that is in disarray. So then what are we if we look like that during that game? Did you have a chance? Oh, they're to watch a team that that's in disarray right oh, now. Oh, my goodness. Let's be real. <laughs> and we don't, this isn't a house is on fire kind of thing. But no, nah, it's not us. What? So uh, Don had a near triple double. He had 29, 9, and 10. Right. Uh, Mobley had 20 and 13 in that game. I want to say Garland was okay. So it wasn't like a, oh, okay. Like he had zero turnovers. I remember that about that game because we had been so concerned about his play and everything. But that game, he had zero turnovers. Wasn't the most brilliant. I think I thought they were kind of picking on him on defense too. Yep. But when it came down to it and the game was on the line, Okoro, who was doing this weird tunnel vision, I'm in this dude's pants and I'm not watching anything else completely got chewed up by a legal screen from clay so that Steph could get that, that open three. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm so tired of these two minute warning. There's two minute review things jig where the NBA comes back and they're like, Oh, by the way, we talked about this last episode. Sorry for stealing the game from Oh my goodness. So that loss hurt a little bit. Um, Oh yeah. Sitting there watching in real time. Um, I'm going to say this and then I'll give you the floor. I posted on the board. 
And I have taken off the past week from playing the um, sports betting and stuff like that. Because I just okay. keep getting burned by these illegal things happening. But I posted on the board, um, as the Warriors and Cavs were tussling late in the fourth, I jump in there and I'm like, oh, wait, I know we got this underhand. You know, we got that, um, I think there was like a, a Levert three, four-point play or something like that. Right. Where I was like, okay, after that just happened, we definitely got this. So I jump on the board and I'm, I drop these a whole bunch of bets real fast. Like it totaled about one K, right? And okay, I, you know I only keep so much in there. So let me say this before anybody's like this is degenerate. I only keep so much in there that's like part of my bankroll. So this was just like fun for me. It was like, right. oh, yeah. I could turn this one K into like eight K like really fast if because yeah. I know what my team looks like. Mm-hmm. Levert does that, and I'm like, oh, there's still plus money. Let me hurry up. Blop blop blop. When the rest of that game played out. And I'm sitting here with mm-hmm. my mouth wide open, and I'm watching. I'm not watching just the Cavs on the court. I'm watching JBB too at the same time. I got so frustrated. I'm talking about so frustrated. Like I was like, okay, I'm being patient with this guy. I'm watching, and you know, this dude has the best intentions, but Jig, he does not think in real time. Like it, like it, there's nothing that's happening in that Golden State Warriors game that a little bit of foresight and real time thinking should not have been able to counter. And it was so frustrating mm-hmm. for me. It was so frustrating, not just because it cost one K. Cause I jumped on the board afterwards, opened up. some. Uh, <laughs> I opened up this 20 year old uh, bourbon or something like that. And was like, I'm taking a mm-hmm. shot. And I was okay with him. You like, had to reward yourself oh, man. for watching that shit. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was bad looking. Did you get a chance to watch the, the way that game closed out? I didn't watch the end okay. of that game. No, I wish I had taken your approach to it. Um, it's a good approach sometimes. Oh, man. And so we leave Golden State. We come back to Cleveland. Everything's going to be fixed. We're like, oh, it's okay. They were tired of being on the road. They were high in California. They were California sleepwalking. No more of that California bug. Oh, are you talking about the end of the Kings game? Because the end of the Kings game I watched, yeah. No, no, no. I did. I think we covered. Did we cover Kings on the last episode? No, no. The end of the Kings game. I watched the whole Kings game with, oh, with little snap. gaps in there. That okay. was a sup- supremely frustrating game. Yes, <laughs> but yes. Okay, that's all. My apologies. We didn't even cover that. I no, that's know, well. I that's, not, that's not. Okay, bo- okay. It's not bothered. Let's cruise through these oh, games. It, it was sobering to. You feel. were talking about the Warriors game. I was talking I about the, you bounced off of it. But yeah, because you talked about the illegal uh, pick. It was sobering to watch the end of that kid, Kings game and be like, whether it's Mike Brown or it's Jordy next to him, mm. we mm. are not being coached as well as they were. That that mm-hmm. kind of. That kind of made my stomach turn a little bit. Mark Jackson thing, right? Yes. And then, right. yes, the Mike Brown thing. Yes, Mike Brown. In, so in like, the nine million Browns coaches thing. Uh, sitting, you know, sitting here and knowing the entire time he coached us that he couldn't make adjustments in real time. And then watching our coach now get out coached by him by for whatever crook or whatever it was that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got this pit in my stomach. So that carries over to the Golden State game and the pit comes back. Then we move past Golden State and we come back home. We got Minnesota come to town, right? The Timber Puppies. I'm optimistic. It's a midday Sunday matinee after the Browns lose to Miami. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Brown, the Cavs are going to fix it for us. You know, everything's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Wolves win 129-124. And for everybody who had been killing my boy DG, he gives a, uh, hey, I'm still that guy. Dropping 51. It was 51 points. 51 you'll, points. Al- you'll always take that. Man. 
and, and, and he needed it. And it was one of those things where we'd, we'd been watching him kind of struggle and, and we couldn't figure out how to get back into the game. It was, it was a good thing. It was a really it was good a, thing. It was a positive to see him have that big of a game. And um, I I really love and uh, appreciate uh, Chicago Cav fan on the, on the board. He made mention of, man, the chemistry between the two of uh, DJ and Donovan just doesn't, doesn't look right or feel right to me. For sure. Yeah, like we, we said we said that we might expect that. Which I think we did on here. I know, I know I've been absolutely. telling my buddies that. So uh, during that game specifically, there were a couple of timeouts and plays where people were like, he's not interacting with Mitchell. But I saw it differently. And I'm not, this isn't a counter to what Chicago Cav was saying. I actually think it's a compliment because at the end there, I saw Donovan walk over to Darius, you know, at the scores table as the game was on the line mm-hmm. and he put his arm around him. He was like, look, bro, you know, like they're trying to guard you like this or that. And I saw Darius like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I really appreciated that because he looks super receptive to sure. you know, his big brother coming over and chatting with him. But that Wolves game was tough, man, because uh, you saw the Wolves do two things. They picked on Darius every possession. They were like, whoever's whoever's got him on them, don't let him hide. So. We talked mess about D'Lo, right? D'Angelo Russell. We were like, man, this dude is playing like crap. The Wolves were like 0-4 when they came into town. And they got it. They righted their ship against us. D'Angelo Russell had 30 points. A lot of stuff was just uncontested. The Wolves looked like the freaking Monstars. But the most frustrating thing for me, Jig, was, and I'm back to coaching and schematic schematics, rotations. To start the game, for what seemed to me was pretty obvious, we made adjustments to the lineups that actually weakened everything that had been working for us. So Jared Allen was down for that game and as well as Donovan Mitchell, but to fix it, we're like, you know what? We're going to start a coral or I'm sorry. We're going to start Kevin love at the four. So we slid Mobley over to the starting center to go up against Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony towns. We put love at the four which effectively weakened our bench. So we took away all playmaking from our second unit. So now we've mm-hmm. got Darius Garland, Karis Levert, uh, whoever started at the three. I want to say a core. I'm not sure. Um, and then love at the four with Mobley getting manhandled at the five. And I'm just, for me, some of this stuff is so obvious that it, it like, there's no way to say it without being painfully blunt. Like, We've got to take more of a proactive approach to how we're coaching. Like what? Like to put our team at a disadvantage when the game starts because you're like, all right, what's working for us? Okay. One of the things I, one of the things that's working is love is the first guy off the bench. And he's, you know, as soon as he comes out, he comes out guns blazing. He's fresh, so he's usually going against a tired starting unit. He spaces the floor and he he gets to the line or he creates opportunities with passing and stuff like that. Let's take that away from us. What's another thing that's working? Mobley off the ball, um, off away from the rim, being the weak side guy. You know, against two of the only traditional centers, let's take that away from us. And it's just kind of like frustrating watching that kind of play out where you're like, these dudes are playing against coaching, you know? like, uh, And throughout the course of the T-Wolves game and the game last night, there were times where I was watching body language and I'm like, I see a team that does not feel like they're being put in the best position right. to, to compete. That's it's not just guys being like, there's a quote here that says something about fat hog or whatever. You know, the dudes are just, I, I picked through, I picked through the quotes. I was okay. actually going to, 
going to kind of go through those over all these losses and just see Man. how we've sort of evolved. Because I think sometimes that's interesting. Wait, you want to go through those? Yeah, please. Please please lead some, us off so some, I can calm down uh, for a I second. can do that. I can do that for us. I, w- I went through all of these just to see what it, I think it's interesting to look through the roller coaster of quotes once a uh, losing streak starts. Yes, sir. Just to see if you feel like you're getting bullshitted. And we'll, see what's going on behind we'll the scenes. We'll add in some clips. We'll, we'll put in some splice in some clips yeah. so they support you. Yeah. Yeah, just to kind of color the whole thing up a little bit. So I went back to the uh, the Kings game. Okay. All right. So the first thing is, Bickerstaff said after this one, and you might remember this one, he said, we didn't come out and play the game purposefully. We've gotten to this habit, and it's my responsibility to be better of allowing people to just play freely to start games. Okay. Said that's arrogant basketball. So you remember that one, right? Sure. Taking responsibility. Said it's arrogant basketball. So the problem then was to start games, right? So how do you how do you resolve those issues, right? Are you talking about the T Wolves? The lineup that was thing. A quote for the T Wolves game first. That was him for the Sacramento Kings game. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. That was that would have been the Kings game. Would have been that um, the first loss after the Clips game. So the Clips game, we were blaming the refs, right? Because it was after the Lakers game. Absolutely. So the Clips game, you and I were willing to forgive him, right? Absolutely. Because the Clips game, we're, we're literally looking at it and say, man, this, they, they're losing effort, but it kind of feels like they're getting, it was like almost fixed. Now, <laughs> we, we talked about this before that, before that game. We said, we're getting a little bit worried that we're seeing these guys coming up the floor. It seems like we're kind of slowing it down a little bit. And then there had been a couple slow starts even. Yep. You said specifically out. you foot off the foot off the gas, kind of like cruising. It. Yep. Felt like it. So he points it out, he takes responsibility, and he's saying, even in that game, he's saying the solution is to come out a little faster. Okay. And and you pointed this out to me when I was talking about my own team. The solution there is what? It's effort, right? Right. So he can he can only say so much, but the team's got to come out strong, right? Yes, and that is a lineup thing. It is. Let's move to the next game. So the next game, he says, next game he's blaming the refs. Which kind of frustrates uh, me. Like, we, we, yes, the refs will play a part in this, but what you're threatening the refs from the beginning of the game all the way through. And he does. What part of that impacts what the refs are calling? But go ahead. Now he does, so he so he does. He threatens the refs, but he does say we didn't come out and play the game purposefully. Okay. We've gotten to this habit and it's and it's my responsibility to bear. So we're doing the same thing now. He says it's arrogant basketball. You can't survive the NBA playing that way. Okay. Okay. So we're doing the same thing now. Now but now he says, not hero ball, not my turn, not selfish, not selfish defensively. Now we're turning on the players a little bit though, aren't we? We are. Didn't do it the first time. It's one game later, and he's putting it on the players. What do you think about that? What do you think about when you put it on the players? You like that, or do you not like that? And the refs after games. Those two things. What do you think about that? I like JBB's ability to know which buttons to press. You know, like okay. um, I've, I've consistently said over the course of this show, and even on the board, I like his um, his his counseling psychology approach to things. I've said that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to – I don't personally like when we, we put blame on other things. Like, I'm all about, okay, I could have done this better. I could have, Like, if you come on here and you're having a terrible show, I'm like, I could have gave them, you know, better notes, or I could have made sure that we did the show at a different time. I'm not like, man, that jig, man, he's just dicking off and whatever. 
Like mm-hmm. for me, I'm always like, how can I have approached this in a way always. To, make, to make this always? If I lose a deal, I do the same thing. Like, okay, I, I, yes. I actually have trouble blaming other people for I do. really I do. much about anything. And sometimes people are like, hey, you're like, you're not fully in control of everything in the world. I'm like, I know, but what can I impact here? You know, Agreed. like it's Agreed. there's no abdication of leadership here. In this case, sure. it's like, okay, are you playing some type of um, some type of psychological thing to motivate them? Because if you are, mm-hmm. what all buttons you have to press in order to get that response? If not, mm-hmm. like, how are you going to change what you're doing in order to get a different? Because what I keep hearing is it's that, it's this, it's over there, it's over here. But none of it is how can I do this differently? So that's my that's my okay. that's my long winded response to you. We're not. I'm not hearing any specifics, and coaches rarely do it, right? They'll, they'll rarely give you a specific of what they need to do differently. Do you think he knows what to do differently? I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. I have. I have to believe he does, man. But I'm jig. I don't see it in real time. Like, okay. there's some of the things that we see the Cavs do that I'm like, it's so obvious to me in real time, like. And then there's guys on the board like Sir Dom almost had a stroke um, over the la- these last three games because there's things that he's typing during the game where he's he's like, I'm just, you know, I can see this in real time. How come our coach doesn't? And I'm like, Sir Dom is 100 <laughs> percent accurate. Like, Which things did he say? I, I wasn't in the thread. Sometimes um, I just stay out of the thread. Usually rotational things. Bless you. Usually rotational things where it's like, OK, wait. So we just saw them put this lineup out there. How do we counter that? And it's not always how do we counter it so that we can guard it. A lot of times it's how do we counter it so we make them have to guard us. But then also there's times where, like what you talked about with the players walking the ball up and stuff, do we see that on the sideline where he's like, hey, Darius, get your ass across that line. Like, let's go faster. Or are we just hearing it at the end? Like, because what I see on the sideline is a guy over there with a machete, you know, threatening the zebras. Instead of seeing you a only guy, think about so much, right? Oh my god! So like, like if we only got so much capacity to process thoughts and to put your energy into stuff, how much of that are we spending on the right thing? Because a lot of the stuff we're focused on extenuating circumstances, like, oh my god, like you, you're gonna, you're gonna call that, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that, as opposed to let's get these guys, fi- you know, like great coaching is like we are the masters of our own outcome. Like what you, you and make I the just, other team adjust to you. Make them adjust to us. Like what we just now talked about. Why didn't I get that sale? All right, I'm gonna approach it like this differently. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, as leaders, we we come up with that mindset and we know in order to win, we've got to approach it like this. One of the things that we, we really need to be thinking about that he really needs to be thinking about is being able to create mismatches. You know, it always used to be when, with previous teams. They, they, they had no way to, with previous cast teams, they had no way to create a mismatch. It was always LeBron. You had to right. rely on LeBron. There's, right. no, there's no mismatch there. The Cavs now have the ability to create mismatches, right? Like, if you're going to just roll the ball out there and say, hey, Donovan, go out there and score. If you're going to roll the ball out there and say, uh, Darius, go out there and score and see if you can find Donovan. You're not creating any mismatches. You're not. That's a bullshit way to play basketball. It it's is. not going to work. You're always just going to be adjusting to the other team all game long, and you're going to be finding ways to defend them. If you're playing Golden State, I understand how you could get stressed out and you could just be finding ways all game to try to catch um, Curry. I understand. That's how most of the league goes. But if you're going to be trying to find ways 
to create mismatches, then it's, it's you, you have to be looking, in, in my opinion, to move the ball around all over the floor. That, that, that's the way that I think think you have to do it and, and you got to be you got to be getting your guys down into the lane a little bit they did it so well early in the year when they were trying to get love outside you know right, what i mean right, when they right. were trying to pull him out right and yes, they sir. did it well when they were trying to get mobley moving around and getting him sorry but they're trying to get mobley mobile right i mean <laughs> and it's just it's one of those if you're not doing that if you're not trying to pull guys out um, and make the other team uncomfortable. Right. Y- you're just not getting it done, and it, and it's the same thing. You know, defensively, other, other teams are going to try to do the same thing to them. They just have so many guys, ex- accepting love, of course, that have the ability to defend very versatilely. Right. right. Um, if that's a word. Um, and and I think it's very hard for other teams to create mismatches on the Cavs, but if they're not going to defend and they're not going to put the effort in. It's just going to get blown out all over the floor. They I, are. I agree with that 100%. I, there's, there's a human element to this. I was watching an interview yesterday that had um, Edgar and James on Pat McAfee show. And oh, he, wow, man. The old cult from the, early, the yeah. late 90s, yeah, early 2000s. Awesome. Wow. So his, um, his, his, uh, his football life is coming out this Friday. It's going to be it's the first time it's going to be broadcast. So he was he's doing the circuits right now. He's promoting it. He, he he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. He just got in last year. And his if go you ahead. haven't watched that speech, it was really awesome. His speech was all about gold chains and dreadlocks going to the Hall of Fame. So he's basically like, Don't judge a book by its covers. But also sure. he meant he made mention of, you know, in that trifecta, Edgar and James, Marvin Harrison, Peyton Manning. Everybody was like in Dallas Park. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the, the quartet of Dallas. Go on. Everybody was like, oh, my God, you know, Peyton is such a leader. Oh, my God, Marvin is such this. Oh, my God, Edge is, is just Edge. But what people didn't know and what Pat McAfee attested to yesterday on the show, he was like, I wasn't on that team, but I know everybody in the locker room. Everybody was like Edge was the real leader, like locker room leader. Like Edge was the guy that was like, if we're going to have this discussion, let's go into the workout room and do it. Let's go into, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's keep working on our bodies. Let's do this. Let's do that. So he mm-hmm. talked about yesterday a little bit how during that time when, when, um, what's the name of the coach, the quiet dude? Um, I was about to say Herm Edwards, but it's not. What's his name? The Who, for the Colts? Uh, Dungy. When, when Dungy took over and it was all about quiet leadership and stuff. He talked about how the main thing that Dungy didn't have to do the rah-rah, I'm going to get in your face and do all this kind of, let me kill the refs. Dungy did it with simplifying the game for everybody. He did all of the thinking for the players. You know, it helps to have a mega brain like Peyton Manning. However, Tony Dungy was like, I just need to make the game easy so you guys can go out and react, not think. One thing they did that, that stood out to me was, they simplified everything. And when you simplify, you just play and react. You're going to play faster. You're going to play better. And I think that's what a lot of people don't really understand that happened this past week with the coach. You know, they simplified things. Jeff Saturday, he went in there and just, hey, let's just get down to what we need to get down to. Simplify it. And let's just let your talent do what the talent is supposed to do. Less thinky, more athlete takeover. Right. That's what Sirianni said in his opening mm-hmm. press conference with the Philadelphia Eagles. He yeah. said, hey, my motto is... Less thinking, more athlete take ovary. And everybody was like, this guy's a fucking doofus. And then it was like, 
No. Well, <laughs> I mean, why, why, why go get a great, why go get a great player, and then you make him have to do all this thinking? Let him just do what he does. You know, that's the game. The game is not as complicated as people make it. You know, if I'm better than you, I'm gonna show you I'm better than you. But if I have to think about all these different things I have to do, you have an advantage. Yeah. The problems that I have, and I've had for some time is the players don't trust that JBB and his staff is doing the thinking for them. Like, they realize when, like last night's game, Mike Bootenhoser picked them apart. The starting lineup was, you know, Mobley, and they rectified the love thing. They put him back on the bench. Last night's game, Mobley was at the five again, but we had Lamar Stevens at the four, and it was all about matching up with the Bucks. However... What we didn't count on was Bootenhoser totally using Lopez against us. And his, his um, you know, all he did was go around spotting up on the perimeter, pulling Mobley out of the paint. And then as soon as Love came in, he moved Lopez around so that Love just didn't chase him. And it was like the players saw this happen over and over. And we would come mm-hmm. out from timeouts and Love would still be out there or the matchups were still the same. And it's like over time, you watch the players stop trying because they know they're not being put in a position to succeed. Like mm-hmm. they know they're like, we got to figure this out. When when you see Donovan and Darius having these summits out there on the court and they're like, we got to figure all of this out ourselves because our, we're not in a position, then you, you're, you're kind of concerned because you're like, these dudes can't react. They have to think first. They have to do all the thinking. And that's mm-hmm. really frustrating to see. Yeah, it makes you worry that you're going to run into a situation with the, uh, I mean, it's happened a million times, but you just saw it with Brooklyn. You know what I mean? With a revolt. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if we worry about revolt because it's clear that these dudes love and respect. Um, they the, do now. Yeah. They're not yeah. superstars. None of them are superstars yet. That's a good. Donovan is. That's a good thing. So the Brooklyn thing is a good example where you saw not just, you know, Kyrie and Simmons and all these other kind of guys, like, not even try anymore for Steve Nash. Right. But right. you also saw KD start checking out on him. And then when they replaced him with Jacques Vaughn, it's like, wait a minute. These dudes want to be coached, and they will play hard if they feel like their coach is putting them in a position to succeed. And Yeah, KD's comments made it out like uh, they, they weren't practicing appropriately. I didn't. Uh, you mean his comments about Steve Nash? Yeah, he, he, the comments he was making were almost like uh, he didn't like the way that they were preparing for games. You can drop whoever in and add in the coaching. And a lot of times, like we we saw this with LeBron and Mike Brown here, there were times where, um, you you saw him not even trying because he was like, "What? what like, what I'm gonna try for?" And it wasn't like, "Oh, you know, Delonte ain't hitting shots or whoever." it was literally we're not being put in a position, you know? Like, yeah. so then he goes down to Miami and, yeah, he fought the leadership at first because he's like, I'm used to being my own coach. But then yep. as he got on board and you saw, you know, Spolstra and, that, you know, that whole thing start using, yeah. they made the game easier for them dudes. Like, yeah, they did. as soon as they got buy-in from there, like, we can walk our way through this season. We can walk our way to 60 wins if y'all just do what we ask y'all to do and, you know, stop trying to overthink the game. It was so crazy yep. to see. Then, at the end of the year, when it's when it's time against that series against the Thunder or whatever like that, um, he could use his brain to actually tilt the scales 
whenever you know, yep. like when they were in series, because he was like, "All right, he's getting mad, he's getting mismatches." Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's able to take advantage of mismatches and stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's frustrating to see that and know like we're at a disadvantage schematically and rotationally until this guy starts thinking a little bit quicker on his toes. It's, it's, how, how do you think that works within an organization? I mean, do do you eventually get the front office coming down and talking to the coach, or do you think they leave him alone and wait and see if he figures it out, or do you think it's one of those deals where the players and coach eventually sit down and they say somebody says, "Hey, listen, man, we need more help here." Or do you, I mean, do you, how do you th- how do we think that works? I'm to, honestly, it's got to be fixed. Yeah, it's got to be the other. It's got to be fixed. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. So last night when I was watching, I saw Walton on the bench, and he kept. Like he was, he was growing frustrated with Kevin Love not rotating. Like there was like love, like the title of this episode is Love Lost. Love was literally lost. There's um on the board, Rich says pretty consistently, it's frustrating to watch when he doesn't even give effort on rotations on defense. I agree with him 100%. And so Walton started calling it out uh, in, I believe the third quarter as the, as the Bucks were making this crazy run and if you go back and watch that game again, watch Luke Walton. He's literally yelling at Love, like, like you know where you're supposed to be. You're not even trying kind of thing. So I don't think the entire coaching staff is not aware of it. I think. Uh, somebody knows. <laughs> yeah, I think I think at the, in that very, very top chair, I think he's balancing a lot. I think JBB is like, you know, I, I know I need to get these guys to try hard for me to stay bought in and everything. But I, I don't think he's seeing the game as quickly as as he should be. And so, you know, if it takes – like last year, we read on the board that there were times where Kobe and JBB weren't on the same page with rotations and stuff, like after the Levert trade. We didn't see a change until the very end of the season. So I don't know if there's some back off, I got this, don't, don't step into my office and tell me what to do kind of thing or what. But it is frustrating to watch – you remember during the Mike Brown era, there like it was painfully obvious to a lot of us. We were like, "Wait a minute!" Oh no, no, not just Mike Brown. Just recently with Ty Lue, when we had Mike Lombardi running the defense, and we're like, "We have to stop doing this scheme." Like we were getting chewed up. It was a switch everything kind of thing, but guys were getting lost on it, and we look like the Browns look right now with this weird zone. Um, we're going to mm-hmm. do this and do that kind of thing. It just became like this stubborn. I'm going to stick with what I think should work. And if somebody else tells me to do it, that's an example of just, I think watching your own team and seeing how they play instead of also watching what the other team is doing at the same time and being able to adjust. And it's frustrating for me, Jig, because I watch so many games I'm watching OKC last night and Mike Dagnall or whatever his name is for the thunder who they look like a playoff team right now. And I'll tell you who looks like an MVP candidate is, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. SGA has Yeah, been. he's a good player, man. So he takes over that game against the Wizards. And they did a weird thing, but he made an adjustment I loved. So in the first half, SGA had it going. He was going neck to neck with uh uh Porzingis and Beal. And it's it's a tie game. To come out to start the mm-hmm. second half, he took Giddy and he took Pokacheski off the starting unit to start the third quarter. He's like, I want you guys to sit over here and I'm going to bring you out in waves. So he staggered SGA and Giddy. They won that game going away because of that. Because when he did that, not only did it activate uh, Giddy's aggressiveness, but it also freed up 
SGA, so he didn't have to play my turn, your turn with Giddy. I was like, yes, that's it. Like, that is the innovation and the adjustments that we want our coach to do in real time. Because OKC should have lost that game. I said, yeah, no, I'm with you. They literally should have lost the game. It was like, you know, Washington was at home. This was Bill's first game back, which I've been telling everybody, this dude is mailing it in, and he's kind of like coasting. He wants to be traded now that he's got that Supermax. You can watch him, his body language and everything. He's like, whatever, y'all can go ahead. And if the game is close, he's like, all right, I'll start playing now. But and you mentioned it on our one of our other episodes. You were like, "Damn, I forgot he was this good." Watching yep. him last night, I was like, "This dude wants to be traded so bad. He wants to go to L.A. Yep. so bad. It's not even funny." But anyway, but the dude made a coaching change in the in halfway through it. It didn't hurt his players. Like when Giddy came back out after playing only like sixteen minutes to start the fourth quarter, he was going balls to the wall. Him and Poku both. And I was like, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make real-time coaching adjustments. If you see the other team is taking away a strength or if you see your team is struggling to establish yourself, make an adjustment. Like, don't just keep coming back out with the same lineup without making some type of change. Totally a rant that I just went on because when I was watching that no, game. No, I'm, I'm with you. No, it was great coaching on his part. And I was like, man, yeah. it's frustrating to see that and know. You know like His players, I watched them look more confident. And like he put like he took a dude from the G League. Some I can't even remember the dude's name. Something I don't know. But he was like six nine. He looked like a dude that should be playing the Y. And this dude had like ten or fifteen points. But he was in a position where he could just fire it up and play to his game. And he beat I, the Wizards. Why did it take so long to get Stevens out there? Why are we so far into the season? It took, took this long. I uh, you I, like Stevens? I. Your guess is as good as mine. I um, like Stevens. There's a log jam, and we talked about this before the season started. We like we got a bunch of six five dudes with T Rex arms who aren't filling filling that role that we need. Mm-hmm. The one that we like that can really contribute, no matter whether his shot is going or not, was Stevens. Like Stevens, mm-hmm. Okoro, like Levert. I was like, you like we want Wade for sure because he's six nine. He's so mm-hmm. Smart. Yeah, he's so, different. Yeah. But Stevens is like, yeah, I, I get it. He's 26 or 27, and he pretty much is what he is, but he plays hard. He is what he is. He's not going, yeah, he's not going to be anything more than just kind of the kind of where, where he is right now, which is a guy that can hit some mid range shots for. He's not a three point shooter. He's going to get out there, defend, and put some effort in. Here's the thing, though. He hit one last night, but he hit it right. because it came within the flow of it and he didn't think about right. it. But here's the right. second thing. While I'm watching Phoenix after the, uh, the Washington and OKC game, Phoenix beat Golden State easily, handily, without Chris Paul. And Mm -hmm. the main player for Phoenix, the one who really made that win happen, was Torrey Craig. Lamar Stevens Mm -hmm. looks just like, do you remember Torrey Craig when he first came on the scene? He was just a 3D guy for Denver who played very sparingly, but started like... Really, they just developed him. Yeah, Mike Malone, like, like put this dude in the lab and just kept working on his game. So Torrey mm-hmm. Craig last night for Phoenix looks exactly like Lamar Stevens. And I was like, wait, we can, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Like, why, why aren't we using Stevens like Craig? Cause right. you know, it's like next man up in Phoenix, you know, James Jones and Monty Williams. Well, it seemed like that's the way it was going to be this year. It seemed like we were going to do a next man up type of thing at the beginning of the year. I mean, maybe look, maybe they are, I, maybe we shouldn't just be so down on these guys right now. I mean, maybe this is the middle yeah. of a streak. There's, there's a um, weird thing happening, Jig, because 
the Okoro thing is being forced, and then Stevens, it's at his expense. <laughs> there's Stevens, there's Okoro, there's Levert, there's, you know, Osman. There's a whole bunch of guys. What do you think about the way that Okoro, or, um, the way that um, Levert's being used right now? You already know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're using them. It's a miss. You already know. I I don't feel like he's impacting games because I feel like he's being asked to be Stevens or Wade or mm-hmm. those guys. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like we're not using a really good weapon to the best of our abilities because we're making him, instead of just go out and react and play the game the way he knows to play it, playing high pick and roll, getting in space in the paint and then creating from there. Um, we're asking him to be something totally different and he's mm-hmm. overthinking the game while he's out there. Anytime you take one of Garland or Mitchell off the floor. No, Levert, Levert. What do yeah, you think yeah, about Levert? Sorry. That's what I think about him. That what I just said about, Same. yeah, just you know, we're making the game harder. We're making him think. So Edgar and James said, stop making these athletes overthink it. Put them in a position to just athlete it. He's like, let them, let them go out athlete other athletes and they'll win every game. So that's what I think about. So Levert. you figure out what these guys are best at and just let them do it. And then just keep it simple, man. Like literally simplify it for them. Make it easy. Make it like put them in a position where they don't have to overthink. Boston totally took Atlanta's clothes off yesterday in Atlanta. And you would think, oh, no, they're looking, you know, Marcus Smart went down before the game even started. I think last game he, like, twisted his ankle or something like that. So then the Celtics, I was watching the line, it went from, like, 230-something up to, like, 236. And I was like, why did it jump so much? It jumped because they were like, we're not going to put this fake point guard out here. We're going to let these dudes, Tatum and Brown, do what they do best. Tatum almost had a triple-double. Brown bought his, his ass off, and they were switching everything and all this kind of stuff because they didn't have to think it anymore. Like they were just like, let's just do what we do best. So for what are you saying though? I mean, how do you translate that to basketball? I mean, are we, are we talking about doing more ISO or are we talking about for some teams that's ISO, like you're doing a Luca type of thing? Um, or, or does it depend on the team and, the, and you're doing the golden state thing where these guys have chemistry and you can move the ball around. I mean, what does that mean to you? I'm kind of trying to translate that because okay. I think it depends on what kind of talent you have. So making the game easier is um, both Garland and Mitchell being the initiators of high pick and roll, but then the other one knowing what his action is when he's not in that high pick and roll, using uh, Mobley as um, not Mm. the rim protector, but that guy who is able to switch everything and cover up a lot of mistakes. Um, And so he could be that main screener whenever. And he, let me tell you something. He looked really great setting picks early last night, start the game. Like he was, he like literally, if you go back and watch the first two quarters, there's been an impotence on you need to set better picks. And I don't know if Lopez is is teaching or whatever, but so Mobley playing the position that we know he plays best and not being asked to do something different because we have the bodies and the rotations now to cover that. Lopez, Love, those guys should be put in that five spot and that last line of defense as a big. Don't ask Mobley to do something he's not used to doing. So, And the last piece of what makes it easier is Levert. We know what he is. We know what he's supposed to be. We know when he contributes the best. Put him in that position. And whoever you got to start instead of him, whether it be Wade, Okoro, Stevens, whoever, just you know, let them go and be that 3D. It's it's pretty easy for me. So like rotationally, 
Garland, Mitchell, insert 3D guy in between them, Mobley mm-hmm. at the four, and then a plotting five who's supposed to take away. But not those two in Levert. No. I, That's one of the biggest problems, start, starting those all those three together. And the numbers have shown it already, so I feel like we're just, at this point in time, it's like a, uh, I don't even know what, why we're discussing it anymore. And it's not just because we lost. Because it keeps happening. That's why. Yeah. It's not even that we lost five in a row, but it's like everything has shown us statistically that that should not be what we're doing anymore. And when you're, when you're watching the bench crew out and you see Neto is the primary. Neto's not getting any time. Oh my God. He, he played last night. He looked just like Pangos and like he has a role that he like, he's like, okay, you guys want me to stay out here and shoot? No, we don't want you to do that. Like what? You, like what's happening? What's happening? He had such some really good games early in the season when they were looking good. I wanna, I wanna say it's because uh, we had our our full lineup complement, but we always had Mitchell or Garland on the floor with them. Mitchell Garland mm-hmm. or Levert, and those dudes had the ball in their hands. He was like a secondary playmaker, and he mm-hmm. just kept the ball moving in the early part mm-hmm. of the season. Those couple of games. But then him being benched for the last few games entirely, and then like being actually brought back out, he's like, I, I don't want to be benched again, so I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna not rock the boat as much as possible. I just don't know what the hell they're what the hell they're doing here. Roles aren't they, they got they, they started out real hot. I mean, it makes it's they're playing like front runners that got whacked in the mouth. I agree with that, and that so here's where your quote comes back into play, right? The snippet from JVB. He's saying that, but. I can't let that be said without giving as much impotence into what are you doing to adjust it? That's it. That's it. What yep. are we doing to adjust it? What are we doing? What's to going on it? behind the scenes? I mean, cause you can't just keep telling these guys that, you know, they're, they're coming out and they're not looking good and that you, but, but then there's some other comments about, yeah, we're okay. We're doing well. I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta be making some adjustments, but we, you know, we don't know exactly what those are going to be, nor should he necessarily be telling us what those are going to be. You want to you want to see it, like you're not game. You know, you're not coaching from the side. I mean, you are coaching from the sideline, but you're not us. Like we're bystanders. We're behind a keyboard. You're not right. like you should be able to actually make this adjustment. So, whew. see if he does. We were like, let's have a light show without a whole bunch of uh. Ah, they're losing games. You know what I mean? Let, let's turn it up. So they're here's here, games. here's something that's funny. Do you um do you guys have tzatzikis up there by chance? Greek restaurant tzatzikis. We don't have the uh, no. I do not have that restaurant up here. I love so, the food though. I love the sauce. You've had tzatzikis, yeah. So the sauce, you yeah. mean, or or like the so restaurant? There's, so there's actually restaurants, but the sauce is is really really good too. Oh yeah, I've had the sauce absolutely. Okay. So I just got an email. And I love Greek food. Oh man, so I just got an Hungry. email. Today is National Baklava Day. I didn't know that. Oh, I love baklava too. So they're like, hey, hey, Joseph. Come over to Taziki's and get a free baklava for National Baklava Day. I would do that. Let me tell you what. If you, um, I don't, I'm not able to look this up right now, but I've since I've been in the South now for about almost 15 years, I swear by Taziki's, uh, I think it's Greek Grill. They've got yeah, be- Caesar salad and they you, you add salmon or whatever you want, chicken on top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've taken dates there. Like I'm not even like joking. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, so today is National Baklava, Baklava Day, and Thursday, eleven seventeen. Go get you some. That, this email just told me. I'm not that. afraid to admit this right now. <laughs> On the topic of dates, one of my first dates with my wife, back when we were both very poor, was to Sonic. 
That's awesome. What do you mean you're not ashamed to admit that? I don't know. I feel like some people just be like, oh, you went to Sonic. You never took me to Sonic. I never took you to Sonic. I'll take you to Sonic sometime. <laughs> I'll, we'll, we'll fight over the check. Were y'all sitting in the uh, car doing the, uh, the, like the commercials where those two guys are like just going back and forth and stuff? Oh, those dudes. Yeah. Like yeah, we guys. could do that. Yeah. So we, we did that thing where we like sat. I had a truck at the time. Okay. And uh, her and I sat on the back of the, uh, like the tailgate of the truck. Oh, man. Pretty good, right? That's some uh, like out of a movie. That's some Kevin and Wendy off of Wonder Years type stuff right there. I like it that. was. It really was. That's yeah, awesome. I really, I knew very early on that I, uh, that I love my wife, but we got uh, Sonic and we would just sit and eat on the uh on the back of the uh tailgate of the truck and i knew very early on that i loved her because we could uh sit and do that so we went there and then we went to cc's pizza a couple times as well now wait a minute Orlando. no you ever been there it's disgusting now I, i'm okay i'm over here smiling you totally <laughs> just it's pretty bad <laughs> we didn't have any money man oh, no, like, we didn't I, have no, anything totally we were like it. young 20 year old kids like, oh man we didn't, we didn't have anything no i totally get that uh <laughs> yeah i at least go get a hot and ready from uh, Little Caesars or something like CZ's. Come on, brother. Like that's. I used to take my so daughters. Bad. You know, it really was garbage pizza, dude. But you know, it was like a pizza buffet. So, like we got. It gotta, feels we like eat. you're getting your money's worth. Especially if you have the munchies, because you sit there for like a couple hours and CZ's is terrible. Dude, if I ate a CC, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm 39 now. Right. Like back, so we would have been early 20s at the time. Back then, I used to play like a lot of like a lot of basketball, and um, like hours hours per day. Right. So I didn't have any responsibilities really at the time. Like now, I like really kind of like account for what I'm eating. Same like here. to think about like right to like kind of fuel your day or whatever. Absolutely. Like like I have to think about like what I'm eating at any given point to make sure like I'm getting the appropriate amount of work done. You can correlate what you're eating and, and how your your body is responding to it. Like, like for what I'm, I don't know if, if everybody does that. I don't know how common that is. I'm doing like, it. I just, I'm 39 and I'm doing it like every single day. I'm mindful of every it. day, every day, every day. I have to think about like, sometimes I'll eat shitty stuff, but it's mostly at the end of the day. But like I, ha I eat certain stuff like starting early in the morning because I know that if I don't <laughs> like, if I eat like certain things, I can think a certain way to like get my writing stuff Absolutely. done. And like at the end of the day, like if I ate that type of stuff, my day would be over at lunchtime. I wouldn't. <laughs> it would be over. There's no way I could sit at a CC's at uh, 12 o'clock no. and eat like the equivalent of like a pizza and a half. Absolutely. And not. get on like a, even a couple. I couldn't even do this with you right now. Yeah. No, I just sat there I, and I'd have been like, fuck, I want to cancel this. Yep. No, I get it 100%. Let me. I got. <laughs> I'm going to name drop two places. And the main reason why I'm going to name okay. drop this is um, right. one of my boys on the board out of the rafters, uh, he messaged yeah. me and was like, dude, I'm coming to Nashville. Give me some recommendations right. and let's meet up. And I'm like, absolutely. Okay. You know, like, let's, let's do it. So I'm over here and I'm thinking of recommendations and stuff for him. And I'm like, wait a minute. If I tell him some of these spots, they are so bad because like, um, you know, what kind of bad are we talking? I mean, Hang on. What bad? Good or bad, bad? Like bad, good. Like what you just now said. So okay. the two places I'm about to name drop for if you're ever in the Nashville area. During the week, there's this lunch sushi place. It's called oh, Wild, Wild Wasabi. It's a buffet. Okay. All you can eat. 
but they it's like really top notch. It's at a, a place called Coming Station, right downtown. Really it's top good. Notch. Great. I'm talking buffet about like sushi? buffet sushi. So like, God, I never leave. No, trust me on this. So like, they don't they don't like put the stuff out there and be like, all right, here's this crap. Um, they're like, we're gonna bring out our premium rolls. You pay like, got fi- it. Yeah, you pay 15 got bucks. It. They got a hibachi chef there. It's all yeah. you can eat. Oh, I love it. Let me tell you what. On the days where I had that at lunchtime during my nine to five, like, yeah, it was a wrap. Everybody in the office would be yes. asleep for like an hour and a half. Yeah, oh, lunch. totally. Yeah. <laughs> so like we were like, we can, we can only do wild wasabi on Fridays, and we have to make sure Correct. that all of our calls are taken care of before we go. Correct. You're done. Little, okay. You're done. So then the second place is here in Nashville. It's a place called Ninki, and it's over in okay. uh, West Nashville, close to. A Bell Mead and Green Hills and all that kind of stuff. It's a sushi place where all of the Titans players go. It's all of the NFL oh, okay. Titans. They go there because they're like, this place has the best roll ever. And the roll is actually called a Titan roll. There you go. And it's sushi places love name dropping stuff. They're very smart with that marketing. This thing, this Titan roll at Ninki down here in Nashville, look it up after this call, okay. after this show. Okay. They put crab on top with cheese and stuff. Okay. And they set this thing on fire, so it comes to your table on fire. But the roll is like two rolls in one. It's like, oh my god! They're like staggered together, so it can hold all the stuff on top of it. They set it on fire. Halfway through eating this roll, you want to go to sleep at the table right there in real time. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, dude. <laughs> so in both cases, both times, this sushi will lay your ass out for the rest of the day. Oh yeah, it, it's like a diabetic Yippee sleep, itis, man. It's, it's a wrap every time. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that, my that was it, man. But like, I don't I don't remember feeling that when I was in my twenties. But maybe I didn't notice it be, because like it just wasn't like it I didn't apply. I don't think it mattered. Like we used to. It didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. Like our bodies were burning stuff so quickly. Like the, I think it was that and the responsibility. Right. I think I think it's because it, it, that had to have been it. It was the. Uh, um, metabolism slowing down metabolism. I couldn't come up with metabolism. I was running I was running my record stores at the time and so we would work from 11 to 7 every day and we would have lunch right at the beginning of our shift so we were right. like we opened our doors at 11 we start lunch at like 12 12 30 and then you had like right. six hours to work and so we would every every day we would go grab fast food and stuff I remember uh. I remember specifically the store owner Rich he uh. bought everybody pizza this one time on a Saturday, and we started our shift at 11. We had, like, four pizzas dropped off. I ate two of those pizzas myself. Like yeah, not I even, remember that whole <laughs> skill, too, back then. Not even joking. Like, I smashed two pizzas at, like, yeah, 12 o'clock. do it. And yeah. worked the entire shift like nothing happened. Like, I was yeah, just like, whatever. Same. It's all good. I used to do that. Like, I would, I remember, I can distinctly remember, I would, um, I would sit at my old, my old condo in Orlando, and I would just get bored in the middle of the day sometimes. And, um, I, I mean, I had a job when I would do this, right. but like I'd, I'd go home middle of the day and I'd be like, man, I want a fucking pizza, eat a whole pizza. And I just get a, I just get a pizza, like a whole, <laughs> a whole pizza, man. And I just sit there and I eat it. And then it's like, I could go back and like live a life. Yep. And it's like, when I think about that now, I, I like, you know, like we have like, like when we do like, you know, parties for the kids or whatever, we'll get like, you know, we'll have like the two or three pizzas. I sit there and I'm like, oh my god, like I can't do this. Shit to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to make fun of people who would like. I don't want my face uh, to feel all weird. 
I used to make fun of people who would do things like scoop the toppings off and just eat the toppings without the, the right. crust and stuff. Yeah. And now I do yeah. that because I'm like, oh man. Of course. Like I. That's yeah, like I got stuff to do tomorrow around noon. Like I don't want to like my face feeling all oh, weird. Man. I don't want my pants to fit all funky. Like I got to account for that right now at six o'clock. Here's a transition for you. So during the Wolves home game, they played this video on the broadcast, and I'm watching the stadium. I'm watching the stadium feed on this um, this stream that I've got. And so right. during the feed, it shows me un unobstructed view of what they're the showing game. in the arena, like on the scoreboard. And so they have this segment where they're showing all the Cavs giving recommendation for food. So like Donovan Mitchell is like, okay. I, you know, I just got here, so I'm, I'm gonna keep it quiet. Jared Allen got excited talking about different places that he loves. He's like, oh, man, this place in Tremont. Oh, my God, I love it. Like, he's literally like. Which place? Do you remember which place in uh, Tremont he said he liked? Uh, he t oh, man. it's. That's right. I'm a rain man when it comes to basketball stuff. But this stuff, I have to, like, actually, like, go and look. Dude, yeah, no, I got Somebody you. who's listening Same is going to. They were there in that arena that night, and they remember yeah, this right, video right. segment. But Jared right. Allen got absolutely excited when he was talking about. I could see that. He's a foodie. Darius Garland, too. He named off some places. I was like, I, I've been there before, but Jared right, Allen, for sure. like, I want to just, this dude needs to have a podcast by now. Cause he, I bet. the yeah. way that we're doing this food and stuff, Jared Allen, like, sure. He was like a doctor of eating out. Like you could tell he probably, he probably has got like a, a jug of water and like, he seems the type that, that likes hanging out by himself a lot. Not only that, I bet you, because he, you know, his first five years as a millionaire, he was in Brooklyn. And so he's like, right. anything uh, I want to eat at any given time. During the segment, he mentioned that, too. He was like, people don't understand that Cleveland's got a very diverse food culinary scene. Oh, it does, for sure. He's like, you may have oh, to. Oh, yeah, whenever oh, we're in town, we're always going and grabbing cool stuff. Yep, so. Always. Anyway, but we totally just, we transitioned, then we transitioned back. Oh, to I got a kick-ass place. I got a kick-ass place in Cleveland. <laughs> what you got? Um, Lebanese food. I'm down. Uh, it's downtown already know what i'm talking about just because i said lebanese food downtown cleveland i'm not shocking <laughs> somebody anybody. listening taza. right now taza taza yes. so good just just went there for the first time taza this weekend Let me look last up. weekend awesome so good i was just downtown just went to like the i had a wedding i was at okay. had uh it's just a lebanese food that's not aladdin's basically okay it's right next to the casino and everything it's not right it's not aladdin's or tommy's obviously tommy's is awesome and everybody knows aladdin's but taza was really good Okay. <clears throat> there was down in Akron at Highland Square. There was an Aladdin's right there, and oh, that, so good. Oh man, I, I used to I used to mess that up. And you could take of course you could take like five or six dollars, and you could like they yes. get a whole meal from Aladdin. Yes, back in the day, absolutely. Um, so good call on that. Yeah. All so right. basketball, Cavs. So the doom and gloom. We're, yeah, we're we're moving on from the doom and gloom. No love lost. But we do have a lost love, and we need uh, our next game that we've got coming up here um, for the wine and gold good guys. I don't want to jinx us, Jig, but I really feel like we should win this next game. Um, the they Hornets. are playing the Hornets. Yep. So we got Charlotte coming into town. They, they're working LaMelo back into the rotation, but he just tweaked his ankle last night. I was watching that because mm -hmm. I was like, wait. X-rays on his yeah, ankle negative. He'll miss. Now he's going to miss the game. Okay. So they were just starting to work him back in. However, the, uh, we whenever Terry Rozier comes back to Cleveland, he's from Cleveland, he balls the ever-loving shit out. So it actually would have been better for us if 
Um, Zero. Oh my god. Yeah. Ter- yeah. Look at his plus minuses against us. I don't know if because you remember that series against Boston where he almost beat us. I did. Like yeah. where it was like, wait a minute, because I might guard that guy. He was like I this. Do. I he do was, remember that. He was didn't, not that didn't guy. they win? Didn't they win that game against the Cavs? Well, it was the series, and I think that we barely pulled the series out with LeBron. But yes, they barely pulled the series out, but he won. He won a game against the Cavs. I, I believe I it because he always gives us buckets. This is a game where Isaac Okoro or Lamar Stevens, whoever we've got that's supposed to be in that role, that three D role, you actually want to dedicate them to him. Looking at his numbers against the Cavs last year, he he averaged twenty points, four and a half rebounds, three three point eight assists. Now look at the year before that, and he had like thirty something on sixty yeah. percent shooting. Like no matter what he's doing for his entire season, he turns it up when he comes back to Cleveland. Yeah, yeah he really does. He just gets up for us. So um, we got Charlotte coming into town, and they're a scrappy. I think they're underachieving at the moment. I don't know. I don't have the record. He's in had front a good of year. Rosier. Yeah. yeah, they're they're totally devoid of scoring everywhere else. They've got basically Jetty, the black Jetty. They've got Kelly Oubre, who's still starting at the three. And with LaMelo Ball back, he kind of looked confused because he was like, wait, it's been me and Rozier doing everything. Now, you know, I got to share a little bit. So I'm actually worried that with this game right here, he's going to be activated again. Him and Rozier, it gets simplified for him. Um, but you know, the wine and go good guys are welcome in Charlotte. We're going to hope that we fix some of what was, what's been ailing us here when they get to town here. What's That's your hope? Pre- what's your prediction for this game? Oh, I can't predict a loss here, can I? <laughs> you got to be honest, man. We, we, we tell the truth, the painful truth, which is what we, we do. On episodes. We do. What do you got? I'm still going to go with the Cavs win on this one. I can't, I can't do another loss. I'm going to go uh, Cavs 124, Hornets. Oh. I'm going big. I'm going bigger. We're we're all healthy. They're all healthy, right? I think Isn't Jared Allen. Healthy? I think Allen might be down still. Let's see if we actually have an update on him. See. He's questionable. So Allen and Wade are questionable. I don't okay. know how we're going to play this game without Dylan Windler. I I don't know. Like I'm I'm. Is he back? No, I I don't know how we're going to do it. Like it's it's listing him as out for four to six weeks, and I I, I truly believe Dude, is this mental with him. <laughs> God, so I feel like weird. I'm being. I feel like we're being punked somewhere. I, I wait truly, a second. I truly Cavalier like swingman Dylan Windler to miss up to six more weeks following <laughs> injection and ankle. Now this would be this? funny. This would totally be funny if my childhood was not all of this with Brad Doherty's back. Like I am triggered right now. Like I, I used to cry in my cereal. Why is he missing six more weeks after the? What kind of injection was this? Did they inject like cyanide into his ankle? I guess they did that PRP thing that Kobe made famous. You know, like when he went off to Germany, got something pumped in his knee, and he came back looking like Mamba again. So I guess they're doing that. But whatever. I thought the the plasma was so that you could get so, get in sooner. I think that's what they did. PRP. PRP. Yeah, they did the platelet rich plasma. Okay. I thought I thought you do that and then it heals you. <laughs> I don't know. I thought is last this guy's week, career. This is the weirdest career is, of all time. We got to start playing X Files music whenever we talk about uh, Windler, because like you want to talk about some conspiracy theories. Like what is happening here? Um, last year when they were doing it, I was like, they just don't want to give him up in trade, so they're trying to hide him until the deadline. And then he finally started playing like after the deadline. He's got the like Kawhi, right? He's got the Kawhi thing going on where it's like, is he like hold? Is he holding out? Dude, what is up with Kawhi? I 
There's so many like this. This there's so many mysteries in the NBA right now. Like what's going on with Kyrie Irving? What's going on with Kawhi? What's going on with Dylan Windler? Everybody needs to know this. Like what's happening right now? I mean, cool, cool. you know, Kyrie's just a weirdo. Remember, like, right before all that happened? Like, literally, before, like, right before the Kyrie thing, I compared him to, like, your weird your weird dad that's never going to change. <laughs> I do remember that. I said, Remember I said that on here? Yep. And sure and enough. And then that all happened? He, he set fire to everything, like, a couple of he days just, later. Just lit it. He probably heard it. He probably listened to our podcast. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. So, this game uh, is Friday, Friday night. Um. I don't know how you we're gonna talk get through about it. Kyrie, did you? Yeah, no, I, I don't know how we're gonna get through ah, it without, ah. <laughs> without Windler, but we're gonna try to. Even more pressing, what like we just mentioned Kawhi, um, and there's there's some type of update where they're like, you know, he's been out since like, oh, here's Woj, he's questionable against the Pistons, so he may play tonight. So he just got upgraded, and uh, yeah, we we may see some Kawhi back on the floor. Woj literally dropped a, a Woj bomb as we're recording this right now. So there's been no love lost, but there is some lost love. We hope to find love like, you know, black IPs. Where's the love? We, we hope to find love on Friday against Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Clifford's group. I predict we do. Okay. I predict we do. We're taking it. We're taking. Your, I'm still sticking with my 124. It's a weird number round number though. Okay. And I think it's going to be close. 124 to 120. We'll take it off the top of your head. Last thing. We're going to get out of here. Name a Cavalier player who wore the number 24. Just Ooh, a 24? Number 24 in Cavs history. Totally. Do you know of one? Chris Mills was the first name that popped up. Roy Henson. Was Roy Henson number 24? I don't know. Was it? I, I'm picturing him, and I that feel like That would be awesome if he was. So, for like, whenever I hear a number, that's the first thing my mind Roy does. Henson, number 24. That's awesome. Congratulations, No, man. he's 32. Oh, asshole. First thing that pops in my mind is like I'll see a Browns player, Nick Chubb, and I'll see a Cavs player, Chris Mills. So Yeah. Just random number. Number Chubb is twenty uh Chubb's twenty five. He's either twenty five or twenty six, I think. Chubb is twenty four for sure. I, oh, he is twenty four. He was the only thing I was actually happy about this past Sunday. So yeah. Number twenty four. He's always Nick Chubb. He's a Hall of Famer, man. He's gonna be Hall of Famer. Number twenty four for the Cavs, Chris Mills. From Arizona. Chris Mills. Yep. Arizona Wildcat. Part of the Fratello teams, Mills, Fields. Solid, Brandon. just a good solid guy who didn't get as much offense if he would have as he would have if he hadn't played for Fratello. Yeah, he had a he had a really he had like a Levert with a jump shot. He was so laid yeah. back. He played at his own speed, kind of like his his the guy who followed him, Lamar Murray. You couldn't speed him up. Good three. He, he actually is a pretty good three point shooter. Now that I'm looking back, no, at he him. totally was. But Chris Mills wanted to fight people. Like if you remember watching those teams, he had like a good solid player, wasn't he? He had a little fight to him, and I don't remember why, but I think he moved on to uh, I don't know what all teams he played for, but he ended up in L.A. at some point in time. He Golden Knicks, State. Knicks, Golden State. That's right. So Golden Knicks State and Golden Knicks. State. Both teams. He had instances where he was organizing like locker room card games and stuff and people would say Did he really people would say in interviews don't mess with chris mills and i was like wait is that you, right like what like was he like karate or something like what is chris mills like all about i guess he just had connections man chris mills was that is dude. that right yeah for the he Knicks, looks like a bad dude like he, Knicks, lo- he looks warriors. he looks like he would he'd mess you up ah when his stint with the warriors there was a there was a thing on all all the smoke with uh steve jackson and um i Matt listen Barnes. to that every once in a while and they were talking about how if you knew 
like if you know, you know, right? So during that yeah. period of time where Jerome Williams was doing cars and stuff up in Toronto and Detroit, yeah, Chris Mills yeah. was doing something very similar out in Golden State, and he had like really? hood connections, and people was like, "Don't mess with Chris Mills." Like he Chris Mills, he'll place one phone call and he'll get you touched. So, yep, Chris Mills looks looks like he's got <laughs> he's kind of got that look. Yep, Chris Mills, number twenty four. This this you know dipping in the Cavs history. What a way to close this out. Chris Mills. Yeah, it had absolutely nothing to do with nothing, but the number 24 just jumped up. You said 124, and I was like, Chris Mills. So That's okay. I All dig right. it. Well, Rubber Rim Job, we hope we've distracted you enough, and we we brought a little bit of everything. We brought the doom. We Oh, Jig, we said we were going to say something about guys not mentioning. Oh, we need people. Yeah, if you're going to be saying positive stuff, and, and a lot of people do, we get a lot of nice positive feedback, good feedback. offline. Like people are texting us, calling <laughs> us, like demanding more, which we really appreciate. Yep. Please comment on the uh, uh, like YouTube stuff, but more so on the board so that we can kind of drive a little more traffic. Absolutely. We want this thing to, we want more people listening. Between what's happening on um, when we publish these on YouTube and Spotify, um, we, we like the engagement when you guys reach out to us directly, but we would really yeah. like for it to be on the forum, Follow. on the forum and in the uh, comments yeah. on these, these different outlets. So yeah. Appreciate you brothers. We'd really dig that. Yep. Hey, appreciate you, man. This was fun. Yeah, no, it really was rubber rim job signing off calves and the Hornets tomorrow. Let's get back on the winning track. Jig. Go get you some of that baklava, buddy. Everybody.